0: Hello and welcome, we're going to get a little situated here. I see Greg made it in. So I've sent Greg and Pro-Life Caucus um, invites to co-host. Jessica, I'm adding as a speaker. Looks like we are recording, so that is set. I will let's see looks like Greg, hopefully you can accept the co-host invite and Albert. Um, I think, let's see, you have the invite also Albert to um, co-host Jessica, I see you got your speaker invite. That's great. Welcome, Michael and Russell. Sorry, we're just gonna be a couple minutes because we need to get situated. All right, we got Pro-Life as co-host. Then hopefully we can get Greg up here as well. Thank you guys for coming. This is gonna be part one of a series. We have the Christian Caucus the pro-life Libertarian Caucus, and also the Center for Natural Law. We've teamed up to kind of um, kind of go through um, a vetting process of our own with the presidential nominee hopefuls for the Libertarian Party. Um, our hope is to find out their positions on the things that are important to us and people involved in our, in our respective groups. We do have some overlap in our values and things that we find important. So it kind of works out that we, we came together to do this. So today we have scheduled Dr. Rechtenwald. We will be um, interviewing him. We'll talk a little bit about each of our groups, um, what our purposes are, so you can know a little bit about us. Then we'll give Dr. Rechtenwald um, some time to introduce himself and a little bit about you know, um, his campaign, why he chose to run and why he thinks he'd be the best choice. Then after that, we will be asking him questions. We'll, you know, uh, take turns between the Christian caucus, pro-life libertarian caucus. And um, Greg is representing, if we can, get past a couple technical difficulties, I think, and get him up here, then he will also be asking a couple questions. So we've decided for the format of this, instead of um, bringing up additional speakers, what we are going to have people do if they want to uh, ask questions is go ahead and just comment it on this space. If you are looking at the space on the bottom right, there's a little like Speaker bubble-looking thing next to the heart and stuff. And if you click on that, you can uh, write a comment on the space. And then what happens with that is we can go through those. And um, Jessica's going to be watching those, and uh, we'll be using some of those as questions also to ask. And we can throw those up kind of in the whatever you call the stage or the jumbotron, what have you, to um, so everyone can see it. So. Uh I guess we could start. Uh Albert, is there anything you want to say before we did I kind of cover it? You are muted, by the way. He may be doing something else. Well
1: Oh there we go. Okay, oh, I, I awesome. unmuted myself. Yeah, <laughs> is um do you see Dr. Rechtenwald on the list? Is he there?
0: No, nope, don't see him uh right now on there maybe we should we could send him the space in a instant message
1: okay um can you do that on your end yeah i could do
0: that i could uh i don't know if i'm connected to him though if it'll go through um let's see I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's going to let me because we don't, see, I don't think, I think you have to be like mutuals on here to be able to do so. Let me see if I can just tag him in this space.
1: I will tag him and hopefully he'll see that. Okay, yeah, I just sent him an email as well. So hopefully he gets one of those things. Okay,
0: Uh, we could maybe just go ahead and do the next part of what we were going to do and talk about our respective groups and what we're about.
1: Sure, Uh, sounds good. So, um, do you want to begin?
0: uh yeah i could go real quick and then um you go next that's fine okay uh so we're the christian caucus of the libertarian party and basically we just want to do work where christianity and libertarianism intersect which is a lot we basically want to influence the party um with christianity and we also want to bring libertarian um political philosophy to Christians, because we think that they go hand in hand. And um, so a lot of our work is based in that. So we promote voluntarism, we try to lobby against um, things that violate our values and beliefs. Um, Yeah, but if anybody wants to join us, uh, this is our Twitter handle right here. And then we have a Discord. If you're interested in joining that, you can send us a DM or comment and we can get you a link to that. Um, Right now we have this series going on with Pro-Life Caucus and Center for Natural Law. And another thing we're working on is organizing some people for doing this lobbying attempt to push the defund Planned Parenthood bill through a committee where it's been stuck. So that's kind of what we have majorly going on right now. Um, That's about it for me.
1: Okay, Um, yeah, I'm Albert Veldhuizen and I'm the secretary of the Pro-Life Libertarian Caucus. Um, Our caucus was formed uh, shortly before the 2020 uh, National Libertarian Party Convention. And before 2020, I think pro-lifers were pretty uh, disorganized uh, within the Libertarian Party. And um, the focus of many pro-lifers had been um, to abolish the abortion plank and that had been a, a perennial battle for many conventions, but that effort had always ended up in failure. So in 2020, um, our chairman, Russell Brooksbank, who formed the, uh, the caucus uh, shortly before that convention, he moved to have the plank abolished at that convention, and uh, we received at that point the highest mark um for deletion which was around 45% and um then in 2022 he also moved to do that and um then in 2022 that's when we finally were successful and as a result of our uh, organizational efforts and um convincing delegates and also um and also, aligning with other caucuses in, in that effort, we were finally able to abolish the abortion plank, which was overwhelmingly defeated by about 65% of the delegates. So basically, the, the caucus's goal is to solidify um, the trend of the Libertarian Party in a more pro-life direction. And um, what our preamble states is that the Libertarian Party stands for the protection of the rights of the smallest minority, the individual. We cannot think of an individual that needs more protection than a pre-born person. And we believe that a pro-life stance is the correct stance for the Libertarian Party. So we strive to move the culture of the Libertarian Party towards that stance by supporting candidates uh, for party leadership, nominees to public office, changes to our party platform, and education of fellow members. So um, I have been attending various conventions um, this past year, the South Carolina Convention. We set up a table there. We're gonna set up a table at the Florida Convention next weekend and at the Virginia Convention in March and definitely at the National Convention um, in May. And uh, so just wanna raise awareness of um, the pro-life issue within the Libertarian Party and to work within the structures of the party um, to ensure that the abortion plank never comes back. And so we were able to get three of our members as part of the platform committee. And uh, so that's part of our effort and strategy to um, keep the Libertarian Party uh, at least uh, not pro-abortion, but rather moving in a more pro-life direction. So that's, in, in a nutshell, what we're about.
0: Well, I'm not sure... I don't know, I, I see Jennifer here. I don't know if she would know of a way to kind of get in touch with him. Cause Jennifer, we had scheduled Dr. Rechtenwald this, for this afternoon slash evening. Um, do you have a way to get in touch with him maybe? Can you give me like a little emoji maybe? Oh wait, let's see, She is
2: requested. Hello. Hey, um, yeah. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: Yeah, sure. Can.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, I heard that his flight was delayed and, um, his assistant Lori said she's going to be, uh, reaching out to you to, to figure out a plan. I think so. Yeah. So I'm not sure. So anyway, um, just wanted to, I could, you know, just, that's what I just heard.
0: Oh, that's helpful. Thanks. Cause we weren't sure what was going on, but that makes sense if he's traveling, because I know that the weather is crazy right now everywhere except here and probably in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) So that's too bad. I hope. Okay. Well then I guess she'll let us know if he's able to join us or if we're going to need to reschedule with him.
2: Yeah. She said she was, she was working on, on it um he mentioned he might be able to join um i think in like 20 minutes but i don't know if that's a for sure thing or not or they might so okay
0: all right well albert what do you think we should do
1: uh well good question i don't know i mean i think we could you know, potentially wait a few minutes and maybe ask if anybody has any questions about our groups. And um, at that point, you know, maybe if he doesn't show up, then we'll just have to reschedule. Um, But yeah, so that's my inclination at first. What what do you think?
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like a good plan. Um, sure. I we could start with that. Does anybody, if anybody wants to come up and ask a question about our groups or anything, um, go ahead and raise your hand or request to speak, and we can pull you up. And let's see. Well, don't all at once now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think um, of anything else that I could share right now. I guess I could say a little bit more um, about our caucus. We're kind of rather new. Um, One thing that I think is important is that Christians know that they have a home in the Libertarian Party. Um, I think what Albert and the pro-life caucus are doing is very important because that is definitely one of the very tangible you know like things that like Christians point to when I talk to them about the libertarian Party is they just assume that everybody's pro you know choice pro abortion whatever you would say um, and getting that out of our platform has been a great thing uh, for me to be able to point to um, to let people know that we do have, pro-life people in the party, and we are trying to influence the party in that direction. Um, Also, I, for a long time, didn't think that Christians really had a place in the Libertarian Party. It seemed more like a place for, like, do as you will, do as you want, like, whatever it is, just as long as it doesn't hurt me. And I listened to people like Dave Smith and people that supported things like more of a conservative lifestyle and values and voluntarism, and I realized there's this whole other side to libertarianism that I didn't really understand before. I thought it was more just go be crazy as long as you don't hurt me. So I'm really glad to have found a home in the Libertarian Party, and I, I hope to show other Christians um, that they do have a place here, that this is the most logical um, political place to be. That. For as Christians, we wanna influence people with a voluntary lens. We don't wanna like force people through laws. One of the major reasons is because if someone, as soon as someone else gets that power, they would impose their will on us and we wouldn't want that. So that's just a little bit more (laughs) rambling about where we're coming from. Um, Albert, did you wanna add anything?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess I could, talk a little bit about my libertarian development um i guess before 2016 i was a pretty solid republican but then um i think the catalyst for me to uh see the libertarian light was first the nomination of donald trump uh for the republican party and also the fact that Um, solid, liberty-minded individuals, because I was more of a liberty-oriented Republican. And I understood, even back when I was really young, the value of limited government, of small government. And I thought that that was always where um, the Republican Party was, uh, you know, at least rhetorically, that's where they were focused. But uh, the election of Donald Trump kind of opened my eyes because that was no longer really the governing philosophy of the Republican Party. Uh, and that had happened gradually over, over time. But the other issue, too, that was a stumbling block for me to join the Libertarian Party was precisely the abortion issue. Because the Libertarian Party from the very beginning um, had basically a pro-abortion position. Um And, but then, you know, I kind of got to thinking, you know, there are totalitarian states uh, in the past, like, uh, you know, Hitler's Germany and other places that had a very, you could say, pro-life policy, right? But that in itself cannot be the end all. So you cannot have a government that's uh, all uh, controlling, all inclusive, totalitarian and um, uh, have a pro-abortion or pro-life position. I mean, it has to be kind of a seamless ethic where you have liberty uh, on all ends, including for the um, preborn individual, because that small uh, the smallest individual is also entitled to liberty. So as so I started really thinking about, about these issues, and I saw that really there could be, Libertarian Party, just because of its philosophy and because of its um, uh, background and the people who, who were associated with it, like Ron Paul, um, kind of got me thinking, this is really my natural home. So uh, then I, I started becoming involved and kind of curious about uh, getting involved. And um, so I signed up for my first um, national convention in 2020. Um, but the one thing that I really wanted to focus on was the pro-life issue because of the fact that even though I'm interested in all kinds of other uh, issues from a, a liberty perspective, but the pro-life issue is where I felt that um, uh, those are a little chink uh, in the Libertarian Party, that that's an issue that they really need to be consistent on um, and to properly apply it the non-aggression principle. So, um, so that's what I want to focus on. And then, you know, I, uh, through, um, through my involvement, you know, I got, um, to know Russell and a bunch of other people and, uh, realized that in fact, you know, I had a lot of, um, uh, people who saw it like I did that, um, the pro-life issue was an important issue and that, um, that, uh the the pro-life, pro-lifer's natural home should be the Libertarian Party. You know? So anyway, that's kind of a long-winded response, um, but I just wanted to throw that out. Um, anything?
0: Um, Russell requested to speak, so maybe he um, had something he wanted to yes. say if you were kind of yes, wrapping up. Yes, that sounds great. Go ahead.
3: Hello. Hello. Uh, First, I want to say thank you to uh, uh, the, the Christian Caucus and the uh, Center for um, Natural Law um, for joining with us to uh, to host this. And y'all are doing a great job putting it together. I'm glad I let Al handle things, and so I can sit back and listen. And uh, but I, I did have a question, and I, I posed it in the. Uh, comment section um i wholeheartedly believe that god's a libertarian and so how do you go about explaining that to your fellow christians
0: um well i can give you my thoughts and then i'm sure if uh, someone like jessica wants to also jump in she can or anybody else but for me one of the biggest things that points to that for me is that we have a voluntary relationship with God he doesn't force us to accept Jesus this is a decision that we make on our own and we are free in Christ we're free to choose him or reject him at you know and the consequences are what they are either way so I just see that this is the format. he set up his own relationship with us. So it makes sense that, you know, that is how things are supposed to be. And then in addition to that, we have a King in Christ. Um, A lot of times like Jacob who hosts the biblical anarchy podcast and is one of our co-founders, he points out, I can't remember if it was second Samuel or first Samuel and I believe chapter eight, when he talks about, When the Jewish people were asking for a king, and you know, and they were told, like, that is, you know, it's going to be terrible and tyranny, but they were just fearful and they wanted that security blanket of having an earthly king. And um, you know, that's not what God wanted for them. We we have a king already. So that's my initial thoughts um, for that question. That's a great question, Russell. Uh, does anybody else would like to uh, respond to that?
1: Yeah, I'd like to put in my um, two cents on that. I, I think that uh, Russell is right on that, you know, God is a libertarian and I see that uh, throughout scripture because in the Old Testament, and you alluded to that in, in Samuel, um, they, the people wanted a king, and God basically told them that uh, what you, the people were choosing was tyranny, because he was going to take more than 10% of their income, and he's going to um, take their their sons and wives and their resources. And um, so if you look at that, then... The 10%, you know, more than 10% is God considered tyranny. So um, to me, that's an indication that uh, you have a, a, a blueprint for limited government um, in, in the Old Testament. And um, if you look at also some of the other stories in the in the Bible, uh, for example, Ahab, you know, the, the king, and um, he was, he, in order to get... Uh, his neighbor's property, he was forced uh, to engage in a deception um, to basically uh, get two people to, uh, to, to be false witnesses against this person's property to be able to take his property um, under current eminent domain principles, um, states just take people's property away. And so that pretense wasn't isn't even necessary today. So I think you, you can see elements in the Old Testament, uh, even under the kings, where you had certain rights uh, that were guaranteed, and um, also in in the New Testament, you know, where uh, Paul talks in in Romans um, about rulers, and he says rulers are. Uh, fear the fear to do evil and that the ruler's purpose is to punish evil and to reward what is good. Um, the ruler doesn't have, um, unlimited authority, you know, to do evil, to do whatever the, the ruler wants, but rather is bound by the, by God's ethical standards, um, in, in scripture. So there's, a Uh, Unlike in the Middle Ages where you had the divine right of kings, that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, the Bible teaches um, that kings are limited. And in fact, the reformers, that was one of the main um, objections of the Protestant Reformation, where you had people like Samuel Rutherford who uh, wrote a book called Lex Rex, The Law is King, and the king is not king, but the law should be king, and referring to basically the, the law of God so uh just as we should be limited uh by by the laws of god the kings need to be limited too you know um and that that was one of the great things about the united states especially when you looked at the time um the nixon presidency and before you know people were marveling about well even the president can't be above the law well we've gone a far cry from there where today it seems like we might have two, two standards of justice, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, uh, any comments on that?
2: Oh yeah. So I just wanted to, to say, I just heard from um, Dr. Reftenwalden. and um, he is going to be joining in a couple of minutes. Oh, great. So, so yeah, sorry about well, uh, that just the flight issues so he's going to he's almost at the gate and then he'll be able to join
1: okay
0: that's really awesome that he's gonna <laughs> try to squeeze us in even with all of that chaos so we're thankful
2: for yeah that. yeah and, and nice thank you minutes, jennifer for being time. able to
4: communicate that with us we we're appreciative of that very much
2: yeah and i told him it was a good conversation so far about um about God and, you know, being a libertarian and stuff. So that's interesting to to think about. And um, yeah, I just wanted to echo what you said um, at the beginning of just how I'm glad that there is this caucus, the Christian um, caucus, that's been been set up because I felt the same way that I didn't really feel like there was like a great home for Christians in the Libertarian Party. And um, so it was exciting to see that to see that set up. And um, yeah, so just appreciative of that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Are you Christian yourself, Jennifer?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I am uh, Lutheran. Okay, nice. Well, yeah. you should
0: join us over in the discord. Um, oh yeah, that so is it. We um, actually just so you guys know, um, some people here are already in our discord, but we don't have um, any like barriers to entry on our discord we just i mean if you come there like we're doing the work we're doing that lines up with our values and vision um so as much as you even if you're not a christian or not a libertarian as much as you want to do those things you're welcome to come join us and the things that you do agree with us on Um, other than that we um are you know where we definitely want all Christian libertarians for sure and then beyond that anybody who wants to do work with us um that's in that realm cuz i'm sure we have overlap with people that even aren't you know christian or aren't libertarian on the left and right and other so yeah just if anybody is interested in that you can uh dm me and i'll i'll get you an invite and so you can get involved with the christian libertarians <laughs> I see the mayor down there. Hi, Mayor Aaron. It's one of our, whenever I see him, I like to point out that he's like a celebrity because we don't have a ton of elected people as Libertarians, but he is one of them. So it is great to be in his presence. Hello. And I forget where exactly, but I know it's in Colorado. All right. Well, I don't really know what else we should talk about right now, Albert. You're doing such a great job. (laughs) You take the helm. (laughs) I was more like in the gears of asking questions today, so I'm kind of like, oh gosh, you know. Beyond that, I'm kind of um, at a loss.
1: Yeah, I guess. uh
2: Oh, I think we lost him.
0: Yeah. I somehow it showed that he declined his co-host and then he went down to listener, um, while he's coming back up, I guess I could just say a little bit more about the planned parenthood thing. So about a year ago, On it was like January 9th, there was a bill introduced to defund Planned Parenthood, or more accurately, it was to put a moratorium on federal spending on Planned Parenthood and anywhere else that um, performs abortion. When and another thing for Planned Parenthood is a side note that we really don't like in our caucus is they're now supplying hormones and stuff for, you know, transitioning minors um, for the gender ideology stuff. And we're against that and we're against uh, the abortions, obviously. So to hit it from an angle where libertarians can all agree is we want to defund them because even if you are pro-choice, If you're very principled libertarian, I would assume you don't think that we should all have to pay for it. So if anybody wants to help out with that, this is a bill we're trying to push through. So it was introduced last year around January 9th. And then I'd have to check the exact date, but I believe it's January 20th or 23rd, it was moved into committee and it has been there ever since. So our plan is to flood that committee with calls uh, around the one year mark, we have set up a little telegram channel and we're kind of copying the defend the guard efforts with that. Um, where we can just communicate on the day that we're going to be flooding the committee with calls. We'll have a little script pinned in there as well as uh, the members of that committee and all the contact information and we can just keep each other updated on what happens when we call each of um, those congress members. So that's something like you know that's that's the type of work that we are kind of about and want to do. Um, I'm not like the most well-read libertarian and you know philosophically you know entrenched in the literature and i'm not the best christian that knows all of the theology and you know it, i but i'm just like this kind of this caucus is like just like a call to obedience for me to just do work for god in this area so you know it's kind of like we're trying to be practical we're trying to do things that are going to affect things um politically and the party and in our local communities. Um, So yeah, that's kind of, so this project is one of our first projects and we're really excited about it.
1: Yeah, this is Albert, I'm back online. I don't know what happened somehow. I must've hit the wrong button or something. So I got off for a little while, Um, but um, can you hear me there?
0: Yeah, you're live.
1: okay. Okay. Um, so I guess we're still waiting for, for Dr. Rechtenwald, um, is, I guess we're never able to resolve the problem for Greg, right? So he can. I don't think so. Okay.
4: He's showing as a speaker currently.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So he's showing as a speaker, but his, uh.
4: Greg, can you can you talk or can you hear us? I mean,
1: yeah, I think he is muted. That's the problem, and maybe yeah. he there, there's a button he needs to um, push there that unmutes him. Um, then he should be able to to contribute as well.
0: Yeah, we don't have um, we only have the option to mute everyone. Unfortunately, not to unmute, him, can't right. yeah. unmute him. So he needs right. to
1: unmute himself.
0: Yeah. And one thing I, he might be on a laptop and I noticed I was originally going to start this on my laptop and I was having trouble figuring out how to start the space. So I just ended up pulling out my phone and doing it. So I don't know if maybe it's a little more tricky if you're doing this on a browser on your laptop versus like your phone or an iPad, some kind of mobile with an app. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm on my laptop right now and, um, Oh. Uh that's one thing that had happened is I'd also accidentally muted myself, but then I f- figured out how to unmute myself. So maybe Greg just needs to we'll go through. This. Oh,
0: yeah. He just he messaged that he's on his laptop and he can't see the unmute. I don't know if Albert, if since you're on a laptop, also, if you can see where your mute button is for yourself yeah it's, it's, Maybe we it, could it, it's grade to the now. right
1: and um where he sees all the individuals that are part of this chat uh under that there's the mute button and then it's if, if it's muted then it's crossed in red and you just needs to push that and then if it's no longer can you oh. hear me yes we can hear you
5: well, look well, at Albert, that. All that right. was very good instructions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, That's all well, it
5: takes. Somebody with uh, a little knowledge. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Greg LaPointe here. Hey, Greg. Since uh,
1: Karen and I have monopolized the conversation, one, we should probably let you um,
5: talk about yourself and uh, the Center for Natural Law. Well, the Center for Natural Law, not surprisingly, advocates for the natural law. The natural law really is the rational justification uh really the scientific uh evidence for libertarianism it uh would prove why as a political system libertarianism is superior to any other more intrusive more collectivist uh type of governance including uh, going up the line here re- the republican party would might might be next in line <clears throat> And certainly not the Democrat Party, as, as they are uh, in favor of a, a central command, uh, larger government, more uh, you know, intervening in our lives, our personal lives, our families, our communities. But libertarianism actually has a rational, philosophical, logical justification, and it's called the natural law. The natural law is really a science, and it establishes that uh, uh, freedom, uh, is our birthright, and that the primary associations in our life should be family and community, our jobs, uh, a, a variety of local concerns and civic organizations certainly w- or would be included in the primary associations of our lives. Uh, I think the Libertarian Party has done an excellent job, at least uh, in in many of their books and literature, in describing government as being uh, – its its proper role is very – skeletal if i can put it that way very rudimentary and basic yes it's supposed to uh, provide infrastructure dams perhaps highways this kind of thing police departments i think are are well justified uh and other basic needs for the community but after that they have no business uh, intruding into the goals and purposes we establish for ourselves for our families in our communities they uh, should stay out of our business. And the Libertarian Party says that very directly, uh, clearly, and is really the a correct and proper political system for the Christian. Natural law is really something every Christian, every religion for that matter, it doesn't matter whether you're Hindu or uh, Buddhist or conf- uh, an, a Taoist, a, any religion really is required to embrace a natural law because after all, God created the world, and that's where we get the natural law from the natural order. So um, natural law is a science, and it just establishes uh, the appropriateness of libertarianism. I mean, it really is a science uh, where where you could really, I I don't think it's uh, an extreme at all or an exaggeration uh, or hyperbolic at all to say that the libertarianism can actually be scientifically proven. And because it comes from God's natural, uh, his created world and universe, the Christian really, I I would go so far as to say, obliged to embrace the Libertarian Party. Anything above that is an intrusion in our natural rights within the community, within our families. So we promote the natural law, and um, I am delighted to be a part of the pro-life Libertarian Caucus. I'm just excited about that. And uh, and I'm also uh, very excited to to hear about other Christian groups embracing the libertarian uh, way, because it is certainly uh, God's way as we can see in His creation.
1: Yeah, thanks, Greg. Um, so what what does the what does the um, Center for Natural Law, Um, do uh, on on a practical basis?
5: Well, for the last 12 years, um, we do seminar events. We've done well over 100 presentations for different civic groups, churches, mostly in the Rocky Mountain region. I just got back from Las Vegas about a month ago and uh, gave a presentation to the Knights of Columbus of the city of Las Vegas. I've written one book, which I've allowed to go out of print because it just needed improvements. If you've ever written a book, you're never satisfied with it. And at some point, you just have to say, just publish it. But after you publish it, you, you think you could have done so much more. And that was the case there. But I have another book slated for this for this year. I have an online uh, natural law mini course so folks can understand what the natural law is. I go into the prisons. That's just locally. I, I teach in the prisons. And, of course, and a few other things. We have some YouTube. I don't know if you would call them tutorials, but brief explanations of the natural law. But I very much want to uh, start to include, I should mention, I I do want to include uh, speaking about the Libertarian Party more and more, and especially the pro-life party. But I would say just about every single one of my uh, speeches, I do say that libertarianism really uh, leans towards the Libertarian Party. And it doesn't matter who I'm speaking to, but I I do say that routinely. Just a variety of local activities for the most part, speeches, uh, seminar events and that kind of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great.
0: Laurie just posted um, and the thread on the space saying that uh, Dr. Rechtenwald said he'll be with us
1: very shortly. Okay. Sounds great.
5: Well, I'm looking forward to asking uh, Dr. I'm sorry, I want to pronounce his name correctly. Rechtenwald? Yes. Okay. You know, coming from a Marxist background, that is very contrary to the libertarian way. Right. And uh, he must have had... Some kind of an epiphany like Saint Paul getting struck by lightning on his horse, you know, where he (laughs) went from persecuting the Jews to uh, being their number one man, their number one spokesman. What happened that he would go from Marxism, atheistic materialism, to libertarianism? Right.
1: Yeah. From persecuting the Christians uh, to becoming
5: one, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm delighted to hear more about the the Christian Caucus. Is that uh, Karis? I'm sorry. No, that's uh, I'm sorry. Jessica, is it? Yes, it's
4: Keras.
0: Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I like I'm like I'm like the original founder, and Jessica is one of the. Aha. Co- uh-huh.
5: Okay. Uh, how long have you been around?
0: Well, I mean, I do you want to know when I was born or you want to know when the caucus started?
5: What is, is that when the caucus started when you were born?
0: No, oh, no. Uh well, well, how long have we been around as a caucus? Yes. You know, we started out kind of slow and um I would say I started putting feelers out there for people um like around late April last year. And then we kind of like started the Discord, slowly started working on, um, you know, getting Twitter started and stuff like that. And everything was very slow going, and we we're kind of starting to get the ball rolling. This doing this presidential interview series with Pro Life Caucus is great because this is one of the first projects to get our, you know, start getting our ball rolling on doing projects. And then that, along with the Defund Planned Parenthood um, push that we're doing, so um yeah it looks like we have uh, dr rechtenwald we're so glad that you could join us even though you are apparently amid some travel chaos not surprising with all the bad weather so um i'm gonna send you an invite to speak and hopefully you just got that and yeah thanks for joining us
3: Hello. Hi there. How are you? How's everybody doing? We're doing great. We're just
0: having some philosophical conversations, and we're looking forward to hearing from you.
3: Yes, I, I apologize for my lateness. Uh, things got crazy in the air, and there was a delay. So I'm now I'm in an airport, uh, and uh, I tried to find a quiet place. I think I did. So here we are
0: yeah that's well thanks a lot because I'm sure it's not easy doing that doing this amid all of those other things so um we really do appreciate you finding the time amidst that to come and talk with us My pleasure. Uh, we've spent we spent some time introducing um our three groups that were I'm um, planning to interview today. Um, I'm Kara from the Christian Caucus of the Libertarian Party. And then we have Albert from the Pro-Life Libertarian Caucus and Dr. Greg LaPointe from the Center for, Nat- for Natural Law. So um, it's, I think Albert, should we just go ahead and let him um, introduce himself and his story a little bit? Yeah, I
1: think that's great.
0: Okay, yeah. So, um, Dr. Ectonwald, if you'd like to go ahead and jump in if you're ready and um, tell us about yourself and why you're running and stuff like that, we're ready to hear from you. Okay,
3: great. Thank you. I hope you hear me well. Uh, So, yes, I am am a Christian and uh, I basically had a conversion to Christianity in 2018. Uh, It was on a day that my son was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And uh, I effectively turned towards the heavens and I asked, what is happening? What are you doing to me? Basically praying for the first time in many, many years. And um, I got an answer. And uh, I got an answer that my son would be all right no matter what, and that included death. And uh, that told me in, in an instant, that, there was, that God was real, that eternity existed, and that this wasn't the only world. You see, up until this point, I had been an avowed Marxist and uh, actually a scholar of uh, secularism. And uh, I wrote a lot of papers and books on secularism. Uh, I actually had become one of the world's most prominent scholars in this field. Uh, especially historical secularism. So I had, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was quite a, a revelation to me. And uh, everything changed. My whole world view, it, it changed in an instant. I had a massive gestalt shifter. I'd like to call it more like my Damascus moment. Uh, there weren't other things that had been going crazy at the time. I was also being harassed and harangued and attacked by the woke mob at NYU where I was a professor and uh, had just lost a long-term partner as we called it then and uh, for her conversion to third uh, third wave feminism and uh, siding with the woke mob against me. So there was that was then when my son got diagnosed with cancer. It was like strike three. I was like, I'm done, and uh, I surrendered at at that time. I surrendered to the Creator, and that has uh, informed my entire worldview. And uh, that, that's where um, that's where I'm coming from now. I should say, when I was a younger, man, I was a seminarian in a Catholic seminary. I went away to school at age 14, Uh, and this was not just some sort of boarding school. You don't have weekends home. It was six to eight weeks straight without seeing anybody from your family and uh, members of the opposite sex and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, I left there in a rage because I didn't like what was happening there. There was a lot of hypocrisy as I saw it. Uh, a lot of things happening, which I won't mention, that really upset me. Here I was giving up all all kind of contact with uh, the opposite sex. And there were people there that were having plenty of contact with the same sex. Let's, let's put it that way. And that angered me to no end. I left and rejected the... I rejected everything. I, I turned into like a existentialist, as it were. Of course, this is now like 16, 17 years old, so it's very immature. You know, I started reading um, Sartre and uh, Camus and, you know, the whole existentialist uh, cadre, including Nietzsche and, and so forth. And uh, it took me, so that was like age uh, 16. So we're talking about a 40 year hiatus. uh, during which time I explored all kinds of materialist philosophy, especially landing in Marxism, which is, of course, a materialist philosophy. That is to say, there's no belief in anything beyond the material realm. Everything is a product of matter, and uh, likewise, there's no extra material or supernatural Uh, this is despite some people claiming that there is a compatibility between them. I don't think so, because it's very clear that Marxism is materialist. Uh, So as a scholar of secularism, I was studying like uh, the history of uh, atheism, and uh, especially in the 19th century in in Great Britain. And uh, I traced uh, these radical uh, atheists and their careers and Wrote about their relationship to science and things like that. Published a lot in those areas, and uh, it uh, it changed dramatically. Then when I had this, uh, you know, this uh, Damascus moment, for lack of a better phrase, and uh, it's been a faith journey since. And this candidacy, no, like I don't uh, pitch this candidacy in terms of Christianity because. There are a lot of people that in the Libertarian Party, as you all are pretty familiar, that aren't uh, that are you know avowed atheists, some uh, Randians and things like that. And so, but when asked the truth, I'll tell the truth. When asked for the truth about my convictions, I will I will tell them. And I happen to be pro-life as well. I'm um, not happen to be I should say uh, necessarily am pro-life because of my convictions. And likewise, I think that every human being, regardless of their size or stage of development, has a right to life and uh, that abortion represents an NAP violation as well. And so likewise, I I do, but I I don't, you know, that's not like a policy prescription because uh, I don't want the state arbitrating this. I want the heart, the human heart to be arbitrating this in the end, I want that to be this, the place of decision. Like Ron Paul said, it shouldn't be uh, illegal; it should be unthinkable. So that—that's, I think, is a campaign uh, issue that I think is about a cultural, moral shift that we need to do in the culture to really persuade people about the truth of this matter. And. Uh, that's pretty much uh, in a nutshell, you know, in terms of how the campaign relates to believers, uh, certainly welcome believers in my uh, campaign. We have uh, believers on the staff and, uh, and I think frankly, a lot of things are explicable, if not everything in terms of uh, freedom. And I think freedom is, is really only authorized by God. That's, how we get it, otherwise we'd be deterministic like every other species. We wouldn't have the ability to undertake what Mises called human action, that is voluntaristic action on our own accord that isn't determined by material circumstances or conditions. So I think human freedom uh, is utterly compatible. Uh, I should say Christianity is utterly compatible with libertarianism and vice versa.
0: Thank you, um, Albert. Did you have any follow up right away for pro life or? Yeah, um...
1: since uh, since that was brought up, uh, why don't we delve into that issue? Um, so, Dr. Reichenwald, you characterize your um, position on abortion as very important to you, the pro life position. Um, but as of right now, I was looking at different. Um, websites of the uh, libertarian party candidates and uh, the only one i'm aware of that mentions that issue from a pro-life perspective is um that of jacob hornberger um Mm -hmm. are you willing to put on your website that you are pro-life and the reasons why you're pro-life
3: uh yeah i mean i i I, um i just we didn't want to make this a uh a a campaign prong right away because you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of issues around that and people are going to have different views and of course i am not i'm principled in my views but yeah we have no problem saying that i'm pro-life but i also want to make a caveat there that i don't think the state should be determining what people do
5: okay.
3: i don't want the centralized government involved it has to come down to the individual and the family. Okay, uh,
1: if frankly. you mind, I'd like to kind of delve a little deeper into that um, and ask your opinion on uh, the Supreme Court had, uh, which was Dodson versus Jackson's Women's Health overturning Roe versus Wade. What was your opinion of that decision?
3: I think that was a good decision. It's, it's good that it's getting sent back to the states because you're going to have a more pluralistic uh, response to this. It will allows the states... Uh, To have their own laws, and I think the further it goes down to the local level, the better. Um, Right,
1: and I know that. Yeah, yeah. uh, there's some other libertarians, I believe, who um, are in favor of codifying Roe versus Wade at the federal level. So I would assume, based on that answer, you'd be against that,
3: right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now I um, don't think we should instantiate at the at the federal level a policy of murder.
1: Right. But that, but that doesn't that imply though that if you don't want to codify Roe versus Wade at the federal level, then the states should be free to decide mm-hmm. that issue. And the in if the state wants to regulate or uh, treat abortion as an unjustified killing, that it should be allowed to. Correct.
3: Yes. Uh, hold on a second. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Somebody's just texting me something, and I gotta. It's kind of important. It has to do with a family member. Excuse me. My, my sister happens to be uh, happens to be in life support right now. Sorry. Sorry about I'll, that. i sorry that. Do you mind repeating that? Um,
1: yeah, I was just uh, talking about. Uh, you know, since you're against federal codification, obviously the states would be free to impose restrictions on abortion. Yes. Um, but in if you're at the state level, um, would you favor restrictions um, on, for example, doctors performing abortions?
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. So it's I guess it's, I, so, I, it's only at the federal level that you're saying the government should not yeah, be involved. Yeah, I just involved. don't want but
3: the federal central government dictating the terms. And I, that would allow a plurality of opinion and... I'm not saying I want people to adopt the opinion that abortion should be unrestricted, but I think the more plurality there is, the more options people have to move to places, to be in States that uh, are restrictive, that are pro-life and communities like that. And we'll end up with more of them as time goes on without question. And then this, this travesty, uh, will will we'll finally, uh come to an end.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that's very helpful to, um, to hear that because I think people tend to confuse federal and state. And when people say, well, I'm against abortion, they want the federal government to basically uh, run roughshod over the states when really it's the local communities and the states and based upon the local moors that really need to decide this issue.
3: Yes, okay. absolutely. Everything about my campaign is about localism and decentralization. So the more, you know, Lichtensteins that we have, the more possible states, so the more uh, plurality we have, and then we're going to get uh, more states and we're going to see where values really lie. And I think we're going to see that they actually lie with uh, pro-life. And that's because I think that a lot of the state policies have been dictated to the U.S. basically through uh, the U.N., frankly, and their population control, so-called ethics, and uh, these other globalist organizations that have had on their agenda. The reduction in population, uh, a neo-Malthusianism that they have been perpetrating and that has been adopted effectively by various states and the, these all these NGOs that are promoting it, uh, as well as, of course, Planned Parenthood is being funded by the federal government to, con- to conduct abortions, all that I would stop immediately. No funding for this, no funding at all. And uh, that would really turn the tide right there.
1: Okay, that's great. Um... I guess getting into party politics, should the National Libertarian Party take a position on this issue? And how about state libertarian parties? How do you feel about
3: that? I think state libertarian parties could take a position. I don't think the National Party uh, should take a position. Um, I think we need to have a cultural uh, education uh, within the party. And uh, we need to try to move the, the party towards this. But I don't think the LP National should take a position on this. I think it should stay neutral, not one way or the other, and certainly not uh, a pro uh, a pro choice so called this uh, uh, platform prong.
1: Okay. Okay, um, Karen. An administrative note: I, I just got a message uh, from Russell Brooksbank saying that uh there seems to be some people who are blocked from listening to the interview i don't know you know how that's if that's the case or what do you know anything about that um
0: no nobody should be blocked um i i don't know if there's something where if someone hosting like has an account blocked they couldn't join possibly but our account has no one blocked so i i don't i don't know if they want to just try again (laughs) sorry i'm not sure it should they should be able to get on
3: okay um um you know i have some people blocked but uh but uh i think that uh, the spaces allows them to communicate with me through this venue i haven't seen Mm -hmm. any problems with that in the past in fact all too often they have been involved (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, those are pretty much my questions. So I'd like to turn it over to you, Kara, or Greg. So go ahead and-
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and um, ask a question. Well, well, first, I, d- I just wanted to say, um, I really appreciate you sharing your personal testimony because it's just, it's a powerful testimony. I mean, there's just something about when a person is so broken down, you know, and there's, God is close to the brokenhearted. I mean, it's in the Beatitudes and it's so true. And, um, I just think anytime we share our testimony, it plants seeds for other people. So, um, thank you so much for sharing that because it was definitely really personal. Yeah. Um, Let me just
3: add one more thing, you know, in academia and in intellectual circles, it's not—it's not very fashionable at all to be a Christian, and it's not fashionable to have any belief, and it's—it's it's, you know considered sophisticated to actually eschew it, to uh, to and to laugh at it, scoff at it. So I—I I had plenty of that after uh, this happened uh, from my colleagues as well. It wasn't fun. Let's let's put it that way. I'm,
0: right. Well, yeah, I I I'm aware of that sentiment, and it's really unfortunate because they do have a lot of position of influence, and especially you know people that are going to college and trying to learn. And um, I appreciate your stance and um, being bold in that. Um, one question I have is, you know, you are a Christian, and that's influencing your campaign. So, with within with that in mind what are your major campaign issues um that you are coming out what are you what are you leading with i know you mentioned like pro-life uh wasn't one of the things you're really like leading with or at least at this time so i'm i'm wondering what you are um leading well i'm leading
3: with decentralization localization nullification of unconstitutional laws and mandates at the state and local level Uh, my campaign's more than a campaign for me to become president or nominee for president it's a campaign to increase liberty across the uh, across the country to increase liberty at the uh, at the individual level and so the uh, way to do that is through decentralization <clears throat> localization a nullification and uh, basically this is the premise under which this, the nation was founded So I'm very, you know, very much a Jeffersonian in my outlook, uh, as opposed to like the Federalists and uh, like Hamilton and all that. I think this is uh, this is the, the way that we're going to wrest power and decrease the power of the central government over us. The more the more possibilities there are, the more communities that have local power, the greater the freedom, the closer the state is. Like, the, per- the more local the state is, the greater the liberty of the individual. So that's, that's the uh, premise and the main thrust. Now, of course, the campaign is also focused on just making more libertarians in the world and creating uh, a bigger party. And, uh, and on that score, I would like to say that, you know, while I've been a lowercase libertarian for some time... I've only recently become an uppercase libertarian, and people hold that against me, but I think that's actually a, a strong point. So is my uh, previous Marxist past, because that makes me able to see where these people are coming from. And uh, also, I know their way of thinking inside out. And so I'm able to dismantle those views, to dismantle their premises, which are false, and uh, to spread the word of liberty through through uh kind of an intimate knowledge with the uh with the opposition and uh so you know um the other thing that the campaign is premised on is that i have a reach well uh well outside of the libertarian party um i've had a platform that existed prior to this uh and uh i've reached out of out of the libertarian party in many media circuits and uh I've been spreading the message of liberty for eight years and in five books and uh, speaking at liberty-minded institutions all across the country, including the Mises Institute, but plenty of others as well. And I ought to should add also that I am pro-life across the board, and that is to say, I don't believe in war, and I think war violates the NAP for necessarily. And uh, I've been vocally critical of uh, the recent onslaught or the ongoing onslaught in Gaza. And uh, for that, I was canceled by the right now, part of it, a good part of it, the neocon right. Uh, My publisher canceled me, my Hillsdale uh, Fellowship was uh, rescinded and so forth. So, um, you know, I've been canceled by left and right. (laughs) So, I consider it a badge of honor
0: for sure Um, I I have a one more question before I let um, Greg uh, jump in from center of natural law now I feel like you're probably more along the lines of promoting voluntarism and communities, um, stepping in to fill in where the state has been um, kind of taking over and sticking its tendrils. So do you have any plans or um, ideas of how to empower uh, communities and churches and families again?
3: Well, yes, I mean, we need to to have uh, people run, libertarian minded people running for office at the local level and having their input at the local level, we need to, and this doesn't only include uppercase libertarians. It could include uh, libertarians, lowercase libertarians uh, who, uh, who are, you know, haven't found the libertarian party as such, as long as they have a libertarian minded uh, way of thinking, we need to get those people in offices and we need to take over these places. So that we can resist the federal government's uh, constant incursions and uh, its uh, interloping and uh, oppressive nature. Uh, at, at, you know, it, they can't drive the agenda through to the so, into the social fabric without getting into these local communities. And the more localism we have, the more difficult it is. For the agenda to, for them to get handles on, on all the localities, and to uh, drive their agenda through, and that agenda is, I believe, a globalist agenda. Frankly, uh, it isn't just a, a statist, uh, centralized statist agenda. It's a globalist agenda, which is an ultimate statism, an ultimate central statism, uh, that I think is being imposed gradually uh, through various means, which I've written about at length in in some of my books, but especially the last one, the great reset and the struggle for liberty. Uh, so I think localism is the main answer. And, uh, so this is a campaign that's also a movement and, uh, you know, I've been endorsed uh, by the Mises caucus and uh, many members thereof and, uh, including Dave Smith and, uh, many members of the broader libertarian movement who aren't necessarily party uh uh party people uh but nevertheless very libertarian minded uh, and uh, scholars in libertarianism uh walter bloch and uh, others now walter bloch doesn't agree with me on everything especially life uh, the pro-life position he also doesn't agree with my stance about uh, israel's uh war but nevertheless he makes clear that libertarianism is not a cult uh, there are diverse views within it and uh, i think that needs to be recognized and that uh, it doesn't mean somebody's not really a libertarian if they don't hold every view that you hold so uh so um that,
1: thank, thank you for that
0: yeah, can i uh, can oh,
3: follow up on uh, since um
0: Yeah, can I just say one thing real quick, because I see a couple people um, maybe requesting to speak, so they may not have been here earlier uh, when I mentioned what we'd like for people to do if they do have a question, because we're not going to be probably pulling up other speakers, is go ahead and put it as a comment in the thread, and Jessica's going to be kind of watching those comments, and um, we might have a chance at the end to get to um, some of the questions that people submit there. So I just wanted to say that real quick for the people submitting requests.
1: But go ahead, Albert. Yeah, since, um, Sorry. since you brought it up uh, twice, um, uh, I was wondering about your, in more detail, your position on the war um, uh, in, in Israel against Hamas. Um, uh, I heard um, uh, Representative Thomas Massey speak on this issue, and I actually agree with Th- Thomas Massey's position, which is that um, we should not be funding the war. Right. But Thomas Massey made the point that you know he supports Israel's right to defend itself, and that uh, obviously they were attacked by Hamas, who did atrocious things to uh, Israeli civilians. So I guess my position would be that uh, we should we should not be providing any kind of military or foreign aid to any country, and that includes Israel. And so we should definitely not be bankrolling there. Military um, to engage in this war, but personally, I'm, you know, I I believe in Israel's right to defend itself. Is that your position, or do you have a different position?
3: My my position, uh, and I've said this a lot, <coughs> is that we should uh, rescind and end all funding, military aid, uh, arms, and uh, this is not only to Israel but all countries that we're funding and arming at present including ukraine as well as taiwan Uh, they have that rolled into a package they're trying to get through i think 106 billion in total some of it to israel i think 14.4 billion in addition to the 3.4 billion that we give them every year in addition to the arms that we're shipping over there on an almost daily basis in addition to the cachet that we have in israel that we're giving them unfettered access to all of this american property we should absolutely stop funding them entirely and not not in six years not when they you know, as vivek ramaswamy said when they tell us they don't want it anymore now immediately and uh, israel has the right to defend itself but what it's doing now is not self-defense uh i said from the beginning What they should have done is they have very sophisticated intelligence apparatuses. Uh, They have like three or four major intelligence uh, wings. Uh, They have special forces. They should have hunted down, found, and brought to justice the Hamas fighters and others that were also associated and (coughs) and brought them to justice. But not what's happening in Gaza. This is an absolute slaughter. There's at least 23,000 civilians been killed, another 7,000 buried under rubble, Uh, 1.9 million people displaced, no water, electricity, uh, food. They've cut this off except for very trickling aid, which they've also tried to cut off in different, in sporadic motions. So it's been a slaughter. Uh, is nothing to do with what Gaza did, uh, what Hamas did. And this is not this was planned in advance of Hamas's attack. Uh, Netanyahu showed a map and showed what he wanted greater Israel to be, and it included Gaza. So I think this is predest- a predetermined uh, objective of Israels, and it has to be stopped. At least from our standpoint, we have no business aiding and abetting them and undertaking this. By the way, 10,000 at least uh, people that were killed were children. Uh, there's also about 9,000 amputees and amp- some of them amputated without uh, anesthetic. I mean, this is just a slaughter. It's a ethnic cleansing at best, you know, genocide at worst.
1: Okay, well, thanks for your response. Um, anyone else have any follow-up questions?
0: Um, I, Greg, I don't think you've had a chance to ask any questions for um, Center of Natural Law if you wanted to come in and ask anything right now.
5: I do. I have four questions. But I have uh, just a quick, uh, just a curiosity question. Uh, do you think libertarians uh, may be in good standing as libertarians and take a slightly different point of view about the war in Israel? Absolutely. Or is it… Sure. Okay. As I said, okay. you know,
3: right. as I said, Walter Block, who's mm-hmm. endorsed my campaign, is uh, written. He's written books, a book about Israel and uh, the case for Israel and its uh, its uh, treatment of the Palestinian people, and he's a friend of mine. I mean, and he's endorsed the campaign. So if people have a different view, that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, I don't. I think, understand.
5: You were given your position. Yes. Okay, very good. I, I, have, uh, I have four que- uh, one philosophical question and three practical questions. So I just but I could not help after hearing your introduction, which was fabulous by the way. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, I think you and I could have a long conversation. Uh, we won't talk philosophy right now, but just I want to ask you a philosophical question. Yeah. True enough. Materialism mischaracterizes the human person, no question about it. You sounded a little bit Hegelian with some of your comments. Uh, German idealism, in my view, likewise mischaracterizes uh, uh, human nature. Uh, Process philosophy is limited, it's myopic. Uh, The philosophy that really supports, or I should say the foundation, that really is at the basis of libertarianism is metaphysical realism. And I'm sure, at this point in time, uh, you probably have embraced metaphysical realism. I don't know. But here's my question to you. Um, natural law is based in metaphysical realism, the embrace of the uh, invisible and visible. And that's why it's compatible with religious belief. But uh, do you see libertarianism in any way as being a, uh, a, a, a compatible political system with the way human beings are? in their natural state uh do you see that maybe a natural law or metaphysical realism or something else i am looking for do you see any kind of a natural uh outgrowth or uh, do you see libertarianism as being a uh the most direct uh, uh natural way to govern human beings for for government to be do you see anything natural about libertarianism
3: yes I think that libertar- I think that the the libertarian position is that uh, that th- th- there is self ownership. First of all, uh, one has ownership over oneself, and one is able to do action. Human action. Human action is not action that's determined determined by uh, by the material world, as in Marxism, where everything is deterministic and there's no real will they don't really buy into free will although there's all kinds of contradictions within that scheme where they on the one hand say you know that uh, it's inevitable that the material conditions will end in a certain way and on the other hand they uh, cajole and harangue and uh, uh, admonish the working class to undertake something on a voluntaristic basis so there's all kind of contradictions there i am uh, certainly a metaphysical realist that is I think there is no question that the uh, human uh, life entails more than strict material uh, reality. And this is uh, I think very uh, can be demonstrated re- with reference to the, the fact of the mind exists and uh, there is no way to find it within the material ba- uh, elements that supposedly generated according to the materialist outlook. Uh, it seems to have some independence, and, uh, and this is also is what accords us the possibility of human action as defined by Mises, that is voluntary action that we take on our own behalf, at our own, on our own will, uh, with our own wills behind it. So libertarianism is, is the only philosoph- uh, political philosophy that accords with the true state of the human being as such the natural state if you wish i think it's endowed but you don't have to, you don't have to and i don't think i'm actually requiring anybody to say i think it's endowed but it's uh, it's, it come, it's from the methodological standpoint it, it 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 doesn't matter whether it's endowed as long as we agree that human beings have liber- have freedom and we have free will and that we're not determined by our circumstances, by, by economic or other material conditions, that there's something different about us and that we are different from other species on this basis and other things, of course. Uh, I don't see any computer programming going on with mice or maybe they do have some kind of programming, but it's not as elaborate. Uh, they don't have programs that make things happen. Uh, they may have programs that they follow but ours is different. We make things happen. And that's why I think, in, in fact, libertarianism is the only political philosophy that is accord, in accordance with the new human nature, per se.
5: Bravo, I agree with you, doctor. Thank you. Second question, yep. uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has made the case, and I think persuasively, that uh, there are only three branches of government and the fourth branch is the administrative state uh it's become behemoth and they are making so many regulations of all kinds that they really seem to be the the dominant force in our uh in our lives when you were elected president of the united states would you consider signing execu- executive orders that would uh, entail mass firings of the various federal agencies
3: absolutely i would demolish them Afuera, as a. Uh... Javier Malé puts it, afuera, out, FBI, CIA, IRS, CDC, DOE. I could go on, DHS, uh, you, you name it. Uh, I would ax them, uh, take a wrecking ball to them, actually, as I, it's my, my metaphor for this. Wreck the regime is my uh, campaign slogan. Absolutely. I think that it's a behemoth and it is oppressive. It has nothing to do with uh, with anything we vested in this uh, state. We've never agreed to it, and it is unconstitutional. Largely, it's run. It's a. It's a got a life of its own. Has its own momentum. Has its own inertia, and uh, must be must be dismantled. It's going to take active measures
5: to get rid of it. Okay. Two quick questions, and I can even give them to you in uh, together. Uh, the first question is: Have you given any thought to who your vice president will be? And, and lastly, what book would you recommend to a newcomer to the Libertarian Party that best encapsulates uh, the Libertarian beliefs?
3: Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I have given some thought to uh, running mate, and. Uh, we're going to be making an, uh, an announcement, a big announcement very soon. Uh, I will say this it is a very prominent libertarian uh, and a very, very, very articulate and uh, principled libertarian. And uh, it will make serious waves in the in the race. I can I can guarantee you that. But I can't I can't reveal who it is yet. Uh, but, yes, we have given plenty of thought to that. Uh, well, on, on which books I would start with, uh, I, I can sort of tell you my path. Uh, I went through Mises first, and then into Rothbard and and so forth. Uh, I, I would say uh, Rothbard's book. Uh, exact title is escaping me. Uh, uh Liberty. Uh, let me give me one second here. Sorry, I, I had I, you know so many titles that I read. Uh,
5: How about the Libertarian Mind by David Boaz?
3: I'm not familiar with that. Oh, okay. uh, For a new liberty, the Libertarian Manifesto is uh, is uh, the book I had in mind
5: okay okay very good thank you doctor appreciate it that's all for me at the moment
3: thank you so much
0: hey thanks greg and then if i think real quick jessica might have one or two questions um that she has picked up from listeners that um she might want to present now
4: yeah so i have a couple of questions from the chat um one of them is relating to the abortion issue The question asks Does harming an individual not violate the non aggression principle similar to murder? And then after that, I'll ask the other one.
3: Yes, I said, I think I said that it's a violation of the NAP. Uh, I think uh, it violates the rights of the person to live and their property and themselves. It's an aggression against the person. Absolutely. Was there?
0: I think I'll. I'll clarify maybe what I think, what my guess is, is that they're getting at, is would you hold the same um, position for something like murder um, to be not made illegal in the same way abortion oh, I would see. be just down to? Yes.
3: I think, no, I wouldn't do that. I, mean, I think that they... <laughs> Look, there's, we're dealing with a uh, cultural perception and history, and we're dealing with a lot of uh, uh, discordant views on this and a lot of uh, you know, understanding that has to be made clear. And that is that you know, whatever stage or size a person is, they have a right to be alive, and they have a right to their property and themselves, and to kill them is a violation of that. But it, it still doesn't have the uh, valence that murder does to the, to the citizen. And likewise, I wouldn't equate them at this juncture by saying, like, I would hold somebody that committed this a, as a murderer until we have more, more agreement that is, that's the case. And so we need a campaign, a cultural campaign, a moral campaign, a crusade, really, to bring this through. And until that point, I don't think you can start putting people in jail for doing it. I don't think so.
1: But I think to clarify, because we addressed this issue earlier, um, you, know, you do believe that the states where you do have a majority of people who are against abortion can implement these laws? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
4: All right. Okay, some clarification there. I do have another question from the comments. Uh, What are you going to do about illegal immigration and the large amount of international conflict?
3: Well, I spoke to the international conflict issue. The problem is that we have been entangled in all these issues, all these countries around the world, creating enmity and enemies everywhere that we have intervened. All of this has to stop. I would bring all of our troops home from... 900 plus bases back to the uh, American shores. I would stop all aid and arms, military and otherwise, to all foreign nations. Stop sending arms and military aid first, altogether. Uh, and then, uh, what was the second? The other question that was about, sorry.
4: Yeah, the rest of the question, um, or the beginning of that question, was relating to immigration.
3: Okay, well, I have, have, I have a very clear immigration uh, position, and that is, uh, I believe that, you know, in a private property society, which, to my way of thinking, is ideal, where we didn't have so-called public property, then the only borders that would exist would be the borders around property. And the only people that could enter said property would be somebody who was either invited implicitly or explicitly onto that property. And so we don't live in that world. We live in a world where the state claims to have control and ownership over so-called public property. But I don't believe the state is the rightful holder of that property. It's been stolen from us through taxation, uh, which is theft. So my position is this since there are some people that want open borders and to have anybody come into the country that wants to and there are others that say no the, the only right thing to do is to make immigration uh, an invitation basis uh, uh process that invited people by some individuals or individual company or whatever would be would be uh, allowed to come into the country through invitation and that person or a group or a company who invited them would be have to have some sort of liability insurance on them uh, for financial issues, etc. And uh, likewise, we'd have uh, this could actually be very liberal in the end, and certainly more u- humanitarian than having people come in and sleep on the streets, or, obviously. Having them put in hotels at the taxpayers' expenses—expense. Uh, this is just ridiculous. It's a humanitarian crisis as it stands right now. Let's not—I don't cede the uh, the humanitarian or moral or ethical high ground to the open borders people. I think that there's a strong case to be made that it's actually a humanitarian disaster at this point. And likewise, we need a different system not open borders, not draconian, you can't come in here. invitation-based uh, immigration. This would protect public property which is really o- owned by the citizen, by the taxpayers right This would protect their rights over property. This would also allow people to come into the country and if you wanted people to come in, you're well, more than well, you're more than welcome to invite them.
0: Um, I I've, I have a question. If you're um, done with that one, also from the Christian Caucus, that we haven't touched on this subject quite yet. Um, so there is some differing views within the party regarding uh, gender transition of minors. Um, I know some people think that um, you know parents, it's you know the parents' decision and the children's decision and. Other people have views that the child cannot consent. So I'm just wondering if you could make known your stance on that issue. Sure. Um,
3: I think that any person 18 or older uh, has the perfect uh, right in having property over themselves and having attained to the age of consent to do what they want in terms of that. Uh, I don't think any minor can really give consent and that I think it's an NAP violation to undertake these uh, operations or even inclusive of uh, gender-affirming care and so-called including uh, puberty blockers and uh, uh, transition uh, hormones. I think that is not consent because that person hasn't reached the age of consent. I don't care if they're parents, they're doctors, and a whole host of other People say it's fine. I still think it's a violation of that minor's rights.
0: Thank you so much for that answer. Um, Albert, do you have anything else right now?
5: Uh, no, I don't.
0: Okay. And what about you, Greg?
5: Well, I have a last question. It's more of a maybe a, a personal dimension. Uh, Dr. Do you have any hobbies, or if you were to take a whole week off, is there a particular vacation spot you would go to? Just on a, can you give us a sense of, are you uh, are you a hunter? Are you um, do you go skydiving, or do you have any hobbies that yeah that you do? Sure, sure.
3: Um, I'm a tennis player. First of all, uh, I play tennis regularly with my son, who uh, whips me every time. Uh, he's thirty, he's thirty five. <laughs> I'm I'm sixty four, but I taught him how to play. <laughs> And uh, I sometimes regret that I taught them pretty well. Uh, but I also like uh, f- <laughs> my ideal, be- uh, my ideal vacation, for example, is a beach vacation in which I'm reading on the beach. That's just me. That's just me. I mean, some people like to hunt. Mm-hmm. I like to read. I like to hunt words. I like to hunt ideas. And uh, Sounds good. Uh, yep. Thank you. Great. I
0: really appreciate you giving us your time, Dr. Rechtenwald, because you know uh, we just you know got a chance to ask questions from the perspective of our um, couple of groups here uh, that may not have, Been focuses of other interviews. So people that are associated with us have a chance now to kind of hear those things directly from you and what your positions are um, on those subjects. So thank you so much for taking the time, answering questions, sharing about your your path, both with your faith and with your political philosophy. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. And um, yeah, Albert, do you have any closing?
1: Yeah, I just want to reiterate that. Thank you very much for uh, participating. And I think your answers were very um, illuminating. And, you know, i would heard you before uh, on some other programs like uh, the Tom Wood Show, but I think we were able to go into much more detail about certain issues here. And I'm really thankful for that. So, um And um, I intend to be at the Florida Libertarian Convention next weekend. So if you are there, maybe maybe, maybe I'll get a
3: chance to introduce myself. Please do so. Please introduce yourself. I'd like to say hello and talk a little bit. Yeah. Appreciate that. Sounds great. Very much. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sorry for the delay. And thanks for everybody for hanging in there. I'm sure you had some, I heard you had some very good uh, intellectual. um, philosophical discussion in my absence. And I, I applaud you for that.
0: Yeah, we, we sure we were getting down into some stuff while we were waiting. So yeah, we didn't mind waiting. We had some good conversation and, um, appreciate you making the time, even though you're going through the travel chaos right now.
3: So thank you.
0: yeah, with that, um, if, unless anybody has anything else, I think we, we can close out.
3: Great. Good, Cause my earpod my, my ear pods are running out of juice. <laughs> all
0: right i'm going to close out the space and thank you everybody who joined and um thank you dr uh, Rectumwald for joining us oh, again. thank you for having us
3: take,
0: uh, right, take care all right take care bye